Listen, listen, hold on, hold on. I'm in my car right now. I would stand up and give you a standing ovation. Cause, but I'm gonna give you a standing car ovation. Listen, first of all, before we start before we start, I wanna welcome you to the Smoking Word Podcast. First of all, because I wanted to get you on for a long time, like I told you, but you've been cave dwelling. I decided I decided not to stalk you, but but check this out before I wanted to say this. So I'm in the middle of a move and, and my whole internet and everything went to shit. But I said, listen, there's no way I'm not getting motherfucking. I say Richie Underdog. I don't know if you still know him by that on the streets. <laughs> underdog works, anything. Richie Numbskull. Uh, yeah. I, I forgot the yo, I forgot the numbskull shit. I forgot. That's the OG <laughs> But listen, so what happened was I was like, fuck that. I got in the car because on the real, like I tell you, oh, I got questions for you. I was like, when when um, I saw I I caught uh, a couple of uh, what do you call it? I, I caught a couple of things of underdog playing, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I come out of the cave every once in a while, man. Every, you know, yeah. it's it's rare because you know I like I like to just stay in this cave, but every once in a while I got to get out, get some oxygen. Hell and, yeah. Get my midlife and, crisis on. Yeah, in all fairness, yeah, you never not said you were not doing it, in all fairness, but this seems like a long hiatus that yeah, I, it, I did. It. Well, it always seems that way because, well, first of all, let me say it's great to see you, Hoya. Great to see you, hear your voice. Thank you. you look, by the way, you look more more fit, more handsome than ever. Thank you. Thank I'm going on the Richie Underdog freaking book of a, a fly guy because we're going to get into that too because I got so much in, But anyway, but thank you. No, uh, the last, the, yeah, no, go ahead. Thanks for having me. No, um, we, you know, every once in a while, it, it seems, it always seems like a hiatus because I am, you know, all jokes aside, I'm not, I'm not someone that maintains a kind of like self promotion thing. I've always, yeah. I've always had, I've always felt weird about stuff like that. I wasn't really cut out for social media. You know, I'm, I have a private Instagram account. I'm not on Facebook. And yeah. This is not in any way, you know, saying anything negative about people who are. It's, it's, it's great. The world is, has moved yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, I've just never been good at that. So it always, it always does seem like I'm emerging from a hiatus. I mean, truth is I'm always – music is always on my mind. I'm always, if I'm not strong yeah. – I'm writing down some poetry that might turn into a lyric that might, you know, I'm, I'm always creating something, but, uh, yeah. And, and every once in a while, one of these old bands of mine gets dusted off and, and, you know, and we, we get on stage. Yeah. But this was a thing with me. Well, one, of course I love underdog and I got some underdog questions, but to be honest with you, I'm more than into another guy. You know what I mean? That was, and I was, you know, I was already going to shows. I was, you know, obviously we wanted that meathead shit. We were on that meathead shit. And, and, and this is, uh, <laughs> this is one of my hidden, my, my, uh, 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 one of my theories on music. Cause I got a lot of theories. Oh, I love oh, some of them are real. Listen, some of them are real. Some of them are not, <laughs> but they all, so 
I, you know, obviously, uh, into obviously, you are a guy always working on music and uh, and into another out of the New York hardcore dudes from my generation, which was after your generation. You were one of the first guys to do that next thing. You know what I mean? That that get not just do a metal band. All right, we're gonna go this way, kind of yeah. thing. Sure, you yeah, know, I never felt comfortable, you know, just uh, in, in a rut. I always, and look, we, we knew, you know, when Drew and I first got together and just formed the idea of Into Another, you know, part of that was not in any way conforming to any kind of preconception, to any genre, to any scene, to anything. But it was really just about making the music that just poured out of us at the time, you know, just to... Just yeah. So, so, you know, this is all I'm saying. I like to think we helped you, not consciously, but so that was into another was during the time when, you know, let's keep it real. There was a lot of also a lot of violence that, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I got my hands up and, you know, whatever, whatever that my people and some of us may have been and not in, yeah. a part of. Long story short, um, you know, obviously the scene was... Uh, Obviously, um, you already were doing some other type of stuff, but I remember at that time the hard the the hardcore shows stopped, and now there's no more shows. Cause I I'm one of the guys that I sh I shit it where I where where I ate, and now I had to eat it. And now we're like, okay, fuck, there's no more hardcore shows, so we'd roll up to the sky shows, you know. Next, but you know how it was. It was all part of you know the umbrella, but now. There's, yo, CBs, yo, Richie got a bat oh, into another. Yo, there's a show at CBs. Let's roll up. <laughs> I I guarantee you, if you bust out tapes at your first probably 15 oh, shows, it was me, Freddie, you know, a bunch of us. Well, absolutely. Not, not only do we know it, I hope you know that, you know, especially Drew and I are coming out of that scene and the other half into another came out of the metal scene, but yeah. Drew and I were we're so grateful. We always said it at the time, you know, we, we, we had no expectations. We obviously had great reverence and love for the whole hardcore scene, the whole hardcore community. We were part of it and never lost that love or that loyalty. So we were not just pleasantly surprised. We were very, very grateful. Very grateful. Yeah. 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 You guys absolutely did help. It was, it was crazy because at some of our biggest meathead, uh, um, um, time, our uh, um, most caveman mentality, and the era that we were thinking like rocks was we, a lot of us got it, you know I saw a lot, I saw people, there was always going to be haters when people are doing something new but I remember our, all our people like really grabbed onto it, it was like the perfect time for that different thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the opposite of uh, of love is indifference, not hatred. So if, if you don't have haters, you're you're doing something wrong. So yeah, 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 for sure. So hey, all right, so we go before that. Obviously, you're an old school guy. Your first just touch and base fight, Jersey. You're you're born and bred Jersey. No, I'm I'm born in New York. Um, oh, Russ, Jersey. I'm New York. Yeah. Um, and, I always uh, thought you were nerd. You 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 a Jersey guy. You know it's it's interesting. I, you're not the first person to say that. I must. It must be. You know. I must have some kind of Bruce Springsteen kind of. <laughs> some yeah. kind of Tom Bon Jovi energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm kidding. Um. Yeah. No. No. I was. So I was actually born in Long Island. Um, oh, okay. 
did did elementary and middle school in Long Island, and from high school on, lived uh, in Manhattan. Um, there were little breaks here and there. There was a little a little bit of of my youth spent in England, believe it or not. In, in oh like, shit! All right, ages six and seven. Um, there was from the late '90s to the early 2000s, living in Los Angeles. I bounced around a lot, but no, I I I grew up. You know, graduated high school, grew up in New York, in, in Manhattan, on the Upper West Side, and uh, and I've. I've come full circle and moved back to that neighborhood. Um, but yeah, so I I grew up in a in in a neighborhood that was kind of like the north and very north and very west of the whole music scene downtown. I started going to shows with, you know, my older brother would take me to see like Patty Smith or, you know, the talking heads or something, something underground. And and yeah. like his friends would play me like, you know, the first Ramones album and the and the and the first clash album and 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 so i started really getting into just you know all kinds of just uh sub genres of music and and was always yeah. kind of even though i loved a lot of mainstream stuff and when i grew up i you know i was born and bred and and cut my teeth on the same zeppelin and sabbath and everything as everyone else did but i was also also listening to Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell. And I was also listening to jazz and I was also listening to classical music and I was playing bluegrass and country music and like playing banjo when I was looking. So I was, was always yeah. immersing myself in a very, very broad scape of music. And when, it, when I started playing out, started playing shows, which was, you know, I mean, I went to high school from 79 to 83. I started playing and, and getting a band together around 10th or 11th grade. And in 11th grade, I was playing tons of shows. And, and this is like 1981, but in, in a kind of a psychabilly rockabilly, band. Uh -huh. you know, we were playing, we play the mud club and the peppermint lounge and all those places. And, and I, and I was also seeing kind of the beginnings of hardcore form and, yeah. and, and hardcore was in full swing by 80, 82, 81, 82 and 81. I, Went to my first hardcore show, which was the the Bad Brains That's of Memphis, Kansas City, and that just one. That's crazy. And it was one of the very last shows at Max's, and it was and it was also uh, the Beastie Boys, I believe, played that show. But you know, not not the Beastie. Yeah, Boys. The, yeah, the, the first, yeah, the first version. It was yeah, Mike Diamond, but it was like Kate on drums, and it was yeah, Kate, yeah, the OG, um, yeah, the punk. Up, yeah, yeah, uh, and and that, and also you know. In my high school, I, I got. I remember listening to like the Young and the Useless Seven Inch because you know Adam Harvitz went to my high school and he was giving them out. And like Dave Skilkin would come visit him at school, and so there was always hardcore in my periphery, even when I was doing this kind of yeah rockabilly thing. And then I always, you know, I I just had this need to express myself more emphatically than I was in the band I was in at the time. And so, just with some friends, I started. I I formed a little band we called ourselves the numbskulls we didn't even play out for a while we would just like get together in basements or where, wherever and like yeah. cover, cover misfit songs and, and write a few of our own and and that band morphed into true blue morphed into underdog and etc yeah because i know you played guitar and obviously if you play guitar you play bass what did you start with with that first band singing or, or playing guitar well, the, the very first band I was in, uh, I was playing guitar, and I, I would si I would sing two or three songs every set that we would do. Um, uh. I was write I was writing all the songs, and I was writing the the music and the lyrics. It was a, a group called the Bel Airs. It was you know, basically like sounds like a doo wop. It sounds like a sounds yeah, like yeah, a doo wop. It sounds like a doo wop band. And um, 
But no, but we were more like, um, you know, Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent meets the cramps kind of thing. Um, let, let, let me ask you this. Where was hip hop? If there was hip hop, because I oh. have also a theory where that you're involved with that includes me later on in life. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved hip hop from the time that a kid in my middle school, Stephen Atkinson, came up to me and said, have you ever heard of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five? And, you know, played it from this is I mean, literally at the beginning, back in the days of like Cool Herc and all that I was listening to hip hop. And then shortly thereafter, obviously Sugar Hill Gang and all that. And and in the in the when I was in high school, I would go to Friday nights at the Roxy and see mm. like the Treacherous Three and, yeah. and you know the Mastodon Committee and and all that. I was buying all of those twelve profile twelve inches and yep. Joy and Sugar Hill and oh, listening to a ton of it. And in fact, I even had like a little side project at the time with a kid in my high school, a kid named David Burt, who was a, an incredible DJ. Um, I mean, never we never released anything, right? but we but we were trying to blend kind of yeah. heavy guitars with hip hop, and this is you know this is like 1981, 82, yeah, uh, really 81. I think it kind of stopped by Crazy. 82. Um, but yeah, that's great. I, um, I always had great love for. for yeah, no, because I say that because my concept of there's there's four guys, there's four faces on the on the on my Mount Rushmore of of that the dudes that brought swag. Too hardcore because I was never on that punk rock shit, you know. Shout yeah. out to all the Mohawks and that. So you had when I saw jerseys, you know, football, you know, basketball jerseys, a little bit more swaggy that wasn't gutter, you know, gutter attitude. Which yeah. I, I saw my my fuck you attitude was more that attitude was more of a street right. attitude than the gutter attitude. You know what I mean? And there was Mackie, there was a you, there was a Mark Ryan. There was an Eddie Leeway. Thank you. And, wow. and, uh, and, and I took that and me being a guy being like, I loved AF because AM's AF. And obviously Roger being Latin helped. Oh shit, there's a space for me. But and I was a hardcore skin. I, I you know, I love the skin shit, but I also came from hip hop. And the, so I associated with a little bit of swag with everything. Even when I was a skin, I would have mm -hmm. a DMs, suppressed jeans, but a triple fat goose. You know, yeah. it was like, you know, it would it would come out. So I noticed who had what, and all right. So I was never a super underdog fan. I loved the hits. You know, I was like, you got to, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, like the, the one on ones. I was like, I got it. Like, but is it fair to credit underdog for the first hip hop break in the one song? I mean, say I yes, know. say I, yes, and I, I, and you know why I say yes. Be don't be humble, and you're a real music guy. And this is something that been in my head since I heard that shit. I'm since I was 15 years old. I mean, the answer I could give is I I wasn't aware. I'm sure somewhere in the in this wide ranging world of you know God knows how many hardcore yeah. bands in how many countries. But yeah, I mean during during say it to my face, I would always do some kind of a you know freestyle yeah. rhyme and that that started very early and yeah and that was definitely a nod to a genre i love very much and i don't know if i was the only thing i know i was the first at in all of hardcore <laughs> it is because yeah. and i have no doubt about it only because of just the i was dead and this is later on this is going to like uh, like <laughs> uh, when i was in youth today like so 86 and 87 
I was definitely the first person to rock an X swatch. And I know that. Oh, shit. All right. Oh. I, was living, I was living near the swatch <laughs> store in Soho. I was living on Thompson Street. And I saw, like, I was in there. And I would go in there. And I would, like, talk to them sometimes. Just because they were in the neighborhood. They were just, like, neighbor, you know, neighbors. Yeah. People in the neighborhood. And I saw this, like, pamphlet or some piece of literature that had a picture of it. I was like, wow. What? I'll take one of those. And this is where anyone is, obviously it had nothing to do with straight edge then yeah. for, them, for them, for me it did, but it hadn't been released yet. So this is how I know the first. So they literally <laughs> told me when it was being released and the day it was released, it was on my wrist. Absolutely not a fucking soul. Uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. All right. So that was, that's the only thing. I, I'm going to claim the other one for you then because <laughs> that, all right, sure, in the garages and maybe whatever, but I want to yeah. claim that break as the first hip hop break that's recorded in New York hardcore history, goddammit, right oh, now, everybody. I but, appreciate it. <laughs> but, that, but that, but you know what, again, why I take that little piece, why that little piece was very important to me because. Later on, writing style and whatever. I loved the old style hardcore and I loved metal, but and I obviously I liked swag. Mm -hmm. That alone showed me I could do it and get away with it, and nobody would blink. It wouldn't be out of pocket. It's still, you know, the OGs are doing it. I didn't want to make I never wanted to make a rap hardcore bad, but I, I like the elements of hip hop coming in, you know, or a bounce, you know, yeah, kind of thing. Here. It's a, same here. It always felt to me that, that that would be corny. That would be some like yeah, exactly. Eleven type shit or something. But yes, I, um, but but yeah, it 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 was just something. It was literally it started out as just something long before it was ever on stage. It was just a form of expression that would happen, just kind of impromptu, you know, rehearsing, and sometimes it was to other songs. Yeah, you no, know, or just a beat, but um. But yeah, and that, that that's incredible to hear that I, I didn't even think that 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 even resonated with anyone. Right? So it's, it's it's amazing to hear you say that. Yeah, you know, no, that alone, that alone was like, okay, yo, you know, that's that's a straight up, and at that time, that's they're doing a hip hop beat. You know, it wasn't like AF could not do that. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't that type of band. It had to be the right band. You know, the right age with the right. You know, time and I was young and I caught that, you know. And and again, like I said, stuff like which ended up being jock gear, which ended up later being hip hop gear, like seeing team sportswear. I was like, oh shit, maybe not on the jock tip, but I started seeing it. Okay, yeah, there's caps, there's sneakers, yeah. not I just mean, boots and mohawks. My angle with that though was always a little bit different too, because I would I what I would always rock was a Jack Lambert jersey. Even though I'm a Jets fan, my <laughs> I played football in high school. I played football I was from the time from Pop Warner. And, and I was, he was always, my favorite player by far was always Jack Lambert. I played linebacker. I also, I played like guard on offense, but I, there was something about him that just, he personified football for me, but he also personified just, uh, just an intense kind of fury that I felt inside me all the time. And that, and just <laughs> the way he played the game was kind of, you know, really, really resonated with me and the way I like to express myself on stage. So I would always wear a Jack Lambert jersey or I would wear my own 58. I wore the same number in high school. I would wear my high school. You wore that football jersey. Uh, that's what I was going to ask because my youngest son plays now. And I know you played, but how long did you play? You played in college or, or I I mean, high school? No, no, no. So I played from from the time I was allowed to, which was eight years old. Yeah. Through graduating high school. And then 
college, I was I was always doing. I actually ended up dropping out of college after I started signing little indie, you know, record deals and stuff, and just touring all the time. So I just took an indefinite leave of absence. But uh, no, I just left it at at high school. Guys that I played with went on to play a few of them Division One football. Wow, so we, had, we had a great team. I went to a little school in Manhattan called McBurney, but we would recruit players. I mean, my, our quarterback was six foot five. You know, could throw it. You know, the ball yeah. like hundred yards and. We had a, a fullback with like 34 inch thighs. He was built like Earl Campbell, and you know, yeah. we had a, we had a real team, and we would we couldn't we would just blow out any New York City team. So we played in a very difficult division in Long yeah. Island, all away games, undefeated my junior and senior year. So we were real, and and f- football. I was passionate about playing football, and that yeah. was another it was another outlet for my my fuck you and my anger. yeah yeah no for sure because I heard you play that for a long time, and now my son plays, and I get the now I get it. I yeah. get the football shit now. My son playing through it. Mm-hmm. I all the, the way people used to talk about. I always wanted to play, even though. But New York is hard. That's why I'm yeah. surprised that you got to play because in the city it's hard to actually play. It's very hard. We we were very fortunate, and, and and that was a window of time when I went to a school that had a great athletics program. And yeah, and that's good. Very very and, lucky. And I got a question for you on that on that subject because I'm, I'm interested in this for you playing because my son started like you at eight years old. Like eight young, you're a smart guy, right? Um, how do you feel with all this talk about, um, you know, with, with like pee wee leagues and, and, and early? Because I, obviously, there really you know, is a danger. There's a lot of danger. yes, lot of, of course, yeah. Of uh, look, I I told my kids, you know, I have a son and a daughter. Um, my my daughter's much more of an artist, but my my son's an athlete. He's ten years old, but. All he cares about is basketball. I let him try mm. every sport. And I was like, whatever you want to do, I support. My wife was very, very concerned about him choosing football. He, he didn't in the end, so it's not an issue. But yeah. it's very, very real. I know. Yeah. I, look, I saw a lot of terrible injuries happen when I was playing. And, and equipment has gotten better. But I still yeah. hear all, all the horror stories about concussions that have left kids with real problems, like real yeah. motor skills problems, cognitive problems repeated concussions that they didn't even know they were getting until they saw a specialist, you know? So it's, yeah. real. it's very real. I, I do look, I, when I watch pro football, I'm like, this is such a pussy game. Now they protect quarterbacks. Like, you know, the, the you yeah, know, yeah. but you know, as a father, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit glad yeah. that my kid was playing football that they, they don't teach. I was taught to hit people with, with my face mask, <laughs> in the numbers, literally like put, put my yeah. face Someone's numbers and try to blow their spine out of their body. Yeah, I know different era. That's a recipe for a concussion and a broken neck, and that's how I was taught to hit people. I and call I'm, it a good time. You yeah. call it. Well, well, I, I know, no, but you are totally right. And I know there's bad with that, but I, I, I was because I know it's a big subject in the in the football world, and and um um and I see it also, but I also. Talk to some of these morons that go to hardcore shows. Oh, forget it. We're better off on the football field, yeah. you know. I, but um, uh, <laughs> um, you played it. So you played it to college, and you said you, you kind of chilled out because you started touring, right? Yeah. I, so I played it through high school, and then I was I, I I put football away after my senior year in high school. Had a great run from you know age eight to through seventeen and and graduating, and then I really focused on on music. I was um. There was nothing I wanted to do more, you know, day and night than write. So that, yeah, that's underdog is in swing at that time, right? Is that underdog is in swing or what's it? 
I graduated in 83 and what, and I was, I was still doing the kind of like psychability thing. The roots of underdog started because a guy I went to high school with who played football with me was a tailback, a guy named Scott Kleber. He and I started the, what became the numbskull. So we were playing, but we didn't, start, right. we didn't start playing for real till 84, till the following year, till 84. So I graduate mm-hmm. 83. We start playing just like, you know, people's houses and, and high school gyms and VFW, whatever it is, you know, those hardcore shows. Yeah. 84 ish. So, and that, that morphed wow. into True Blue, morphed into Underdog. Yeah. And, and then, um, what, what, what was the, um, True Blue as far as uh, members wise to Underdog? So it became True Blue when Russ joined the band. So the, the Numbskulls would, we played lots of shows with Murphy's Law. We ended up on lots of shows. I was a huge, Huge Murphy's Law fan, huge AF fan too, and, and and to me, like Jimmy was the absolute ultimate frontman in hardcore. Absolutely. He was the he was the most charismatic. So, so it was like those were dream bills for me to play with with Murphy's Law and 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 had such a great time playing shows with them. And and one day Russ was like, you know, there's going to be some personnel changes in in Murphy's Law and and. Uh, how solid is your is your bass player and underdog? I was like, actually, I you know he 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 lives far away. I don't I don't know how into it he is, but you know, come on board and you be the bass player. And then from that moment, he's like, let's change the name, and uh, we became True Blue very briefly. Um, at the time when there was a, you know, I think shortly before there was a Madonna song with the same name. Yeah, I mean, get that those royalties later or two years later or three. Or who knows? But um, uh. Yeah, so it, the chronology is that by the time we became underdog and recorded and released a seven inch, it's now 1985. So that's that's um, that yeah. first that first underdog seven inch. But the roots of that started with a guy I went to high school with. I graduated high school in '83. My friend Scott and I create what the prototype for what would ultimately be underdog. And, and, and um. Well, you know what was the thing that was cool about Underdog? It was kind of like you motherfuckers brought a little bit of California, and that might have been with Russ with the skateboarding. I I, I, know, I assume I know you skated. Everybody kind of did, yeah, yeah, but we all did. But I mean, I, uh, so I was I was writing the music, you know, all on that seven inch. That the, Russ wrote the music for a couple of songs on the album, but all that early stuff, um, that music was de- yeah. I was definitely listening to you know, in addition to you know, the New York stuff that I, I, I was always a fan of the Circle Jerks and Black Flag and even bands like JFA and, and, and yeah, yeah. That was- and, and, uh, and even those like Oxnard band, you know, like, so there was a lot of, a lot of skate rock that I listened to, um, that certainly I'm sure influenced me, you know, everything you, everything you're enthusiastically like listening to and, and again and again, has to have some influence on, on your writing. I would think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure, for sure. And you guys always had that because I remember being like, yo, that's like our skate, you know, the East Coast, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to skate, you're going to at an underdog show, you're going to see skateboards roll up, which you wouldn't always yeah. see at every show, you know, that's like. How, that's how Russ and I became friends. He was the only other person I would see on a skateboard. At, you know, people think it, there was all these like skaters in the early days in new york Harcourt. there were very few like i think johnny feedback from crowd i would occasionally see on a skateboard but really the only person i saw who was also doing like you know whatever ollieing up on curves and, and doing little yeah. was russ 
and shout out to Russ, the fucking savage. Yeah, legend, legend. But um, yeah, and, and we um, we bonded. I think we bonded over that a lot because we would just see each other. We'd both be holding skateboards and, and you know yeah. we would just be talking. And then uh, yeah, and, and with the Murphy's Law and Numbskull shows, it just it was inevitable. And, and you had and you had a stand with you for today too, right? Yeah. So I um. I remember going to see a, uh, someone asked me if I wanted to go to an AF show, um, like upstate. It, maybe it was just in Yonkers or maybe a little bit beyond in Westchester or maybe Putnam County, not far, you know, like not that far north of New York City. And the opening band was Youth of Today. And, and I remember recognizing Ray and Purcell because, you know, I had seen like their, their, I'd seen the Young Republicans. I had seen, uh, you know, I, I had seen those guys um, and knew their faces. But I, re I remember thinking there was a real contrast because this is at the time when AF was uh, like the cause for alarm, um, and there was a very distinct kind of metal vibe. And then on the, and then this opening band, Youth of Today, and this was their very first show. By the way, I didn't realize I was at their very first show. For me, and it seems so funny to say this because. It's only a couple of years after 82, but I was like, this is very 1982. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. this, you know, this feels like 82. This feels like when I would go see whatever, whatever SSD and Void and DYS and, you know, all those minor threat. I was like, this has that vibe. And and I also, I always did admire the the whole straight edge movement, the way it was in DC and, and, and even like the more radical comic book version in Boston. Yeah. Um, only because for me, I, I wanted to be, um, I always, even when I was playing sports and I was around a lot of jocks, I wanted to be the opposite of these burnout, you know, yeah. Fucking meatheads. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, you know, so I, I did like the idea of always being hyper aware and, and, you know, and just always operating on, you know, firing on all cylinders. So I was always attracted to that straight edge thing. Anyway, I saw them, saw their very first show, immediately kind of hit it off with those guys. Not long after that, Purcell's looking for a place to live. I'm like, move into my apartment on Thompson Street, and he and he becomes my roommate. And shortly thereafter, he's like, you should you should do some shows with us. I wanted to do both. I wanted to be able to, you know, to sing an underdog and to play guitar on youth today just uh you know be around my friends in these different circles and stuff and then you know very understandably i think for russ that wasn't okay and you know yeah. <laughs> and then for so for for the summer of 87 carl mosher was like was fronting underdog and i loved carl he was great he was an incredible presence for me yeah. it felt strange that like someone else is singing these these words i wrote even yeah. though that, that happens all the time. Most people in most bands are singing songs that someone else wrote. Yeah. I don't know why for, at the time it felt strange to me. Like, but I, but I was totally cool with it. And I, um, you know, and I went and played guitar on the, I, I recorded Break Down the Walls with Youth of Today. Uh, Drew and I both did. Uh, you know, and if you're going to be on any Youth of Today record, you're going to be, that's the record to be on. Yeah, well, at the time it was, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was only a seven inch before that. Yeah. Um, can't close my eyes. Which a lot of people don't know. I'm in the cover photo, but in a lot of versions where it's been like Xerox a million times, I'm fade, I fade to black. But in the clear version, of the photo, <laughs> oh, that's you. You can see me. There's two guys you can see kind of singing along with Ray, and I'm one of them. Um, but 
Yeah, so so I record Break Down the Walls. I do I do a bunch of shows with them, and then I do a whole summer tour with them, uh, and then went back to Underdog. And, and let me ask you this: So now, even though you're the anti meathead, you're a football player. I know football player mentality. Now we got you in a straight edge band, right? But you got that football thing in you. Well, and, I've, and always, I, well, I've always had that. It's not. It's it's. I've always had an intense. You know. Yeah. Fury in me, and that, and yeah. That, so I needed that outlet, whether whether it was football or it was even the sort of even when I was doing the rock, yeah. it was a very dark macabre aspect yeah, to it. It was very horror show, very like there was a real evil yeah story, dark side, real dark side. And then you know with the bands I was in, that I needed that heavy music and that aggression. But but I've also always needed a very broad range of. Of textures and sounds and dynamics, I've always, I've, I've always, you know, for me, if I'm creating music, I want dynamics. I, for me, the heavy parts are more powerful if they're coming from yeah. something else. And yeah, for sure. Know, if, if it's just relentless, I mean, that's great. And even a lot of the bands that I love, it was all one thing. I was, I was the most like obsessed Ramones fan, and every Ramones, every Ramones show was the same thing, and it was one. One level, yeah. one color, one texture, and it was a beautiful thing. For me, my self-expression, I needed those dynamics, so I always needed a, a, a big, broad palette of sounds and and textures, but I always had that fury, and I always needed that heavy, heavy thing. You know. So, Because my question is, like, so obviously, you know, like, I, this is why I, I, I said that, because so you got this, like most hardcore people, we got this hidden angry anger that lives in a room in our bodies yeah. so now you're in this straight edge band right but obviously you know a, a playing the sport you play there's a different mentality than the average civilian you know what i mean it's yeah. like you were part of a, like being in the military is just a different yeah. type of mindset now yeah i know you must have encountered the 101 meathead hey you fucking straight edge pussies blah 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 all the time and, and how much fun did you have fucking people up? Because I know you fuck people up. That's what I basically wanted to say. Because so, I know the Richie underdog stories. So, so it's <laughs> funny. For, well, I could say honestly, almost almost every real fight that I that I, I really got down and, and really scrapped was was born more out of racism, which is a lot harder for me to talk. Okay. Gotcha, so things, gotcha. things like seeing people see Heiling in the crowd or like being yeah, yeah, yeah. in the fenders and seeing skinheads with SS tattoos on their neck and doing yeah. this shit. Like I, I've never had any, any patience for that. Um, yeah. I, I, you, listen, I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to teach my kids to be uh, good people. Me too. I, I've definitely, yes, I've, I've had uh, some skirmishes in my life. <laughs> Most of them had to do with, with, with that. Or defending my friends, the, you know, yeah. definitely, um, and it was never really the 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 straight edge thing. A lot of the people who would say that they backed down. They almost, all, in fact, they all backed down. And it, yeah. one, one of the most drastic cases where it was, you know, well, there were a couple. The the one one time when it really came to a like a a fight, it was just, a, you know, I'm not tooting my horn here. It was a one punch fight, but I think the guy was drunk or something. It was. A, yeah. a, skinhead who thought he was a legend in Boston youth of today opening for seven seconds I just see this big fucking you know palooka fucking skinhead hit like hitting little kid little kids like little yeah, 
like pre-pubescent, <coughs> pubescent, like, <laughs> and I'm just, you know, squared yeah. off with him. And it was, it was just one, one and done. He was down. And then a bunch of kids like you, you beat up Adam the skin. <laughs> like, no one's ever. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't, he just didn't, you know, he didn't put his guard up, but Years later, that guy who he had become a biker or something, he came up to me and he shook my hand. He's like, I just want to tell you, I was Adam the skin or whatever. And, you know, you were in the right. And it was, actually, yeah. it was a pretty cool moment. And this was, yeah, yeah. and he was, I didn't even recognize he was a long haired biker at that point. But, but most of that was, the, that was the one guy who squared off on me. But with the straight edge thing and the fuck you straight edge pussies, they all backed down. We, yeah, yeah. Youth of Today played a show in Arizona. These guys were making a lot of noise, and they were all jacked and beat and fucking. Yeah. And, and calling me out and fuck, because no, you know, I was, I, I just didn't take shit. And I would engage. So I basically was like, all right, after the show, we even made a place to meet up. Um, we roll up, and I'm fucking, I'm, I'm doing push ups and bar dips and fucking. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Getting ready and. <laughs> They never showed up. I mean, so that, yeah. that was that was very typical. And yeah, really, those people would always stand down, honestly. And yeah, whereas a lot of the, a lot of times when I when I lost it because of racism and people seek Highland or or saying things to Chuck Treese or whatever it yeah. was, that was that was me just seeing red, and that was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I wouldn't know how it would go. It, that wasn't squaring off. That was go, that was going at someone. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Because I know, especially back then, just being not even straight as just being a metalhead, being a punk rocker. You know, you were called everything under the fucking you know oh, umbrella. And, and also a lot of times, you know, with Russ, people fucking with Russ, and I, and 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 that's uh, a wrong move too. You know? Yeah, and that's nobody, a wrong, and, and he's absolutely holds his own. But there were many times when you know I would I would dive into yeah. that because it was where you know we'd be in the middle of fucking Iowa or somewhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I see my boy, and he's outnumbered, and I'm trying to sell T-shirts. I'm like, fuck the T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, all right, now you're playing. Where does the fucking so you're always doing some side music. I know you 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 always jamming, like you said. I, I, you know you always have an acoustic guitar next to you. Always. Where does that? Where does the into another baby, um, get um um? Where where does that thing get um, born? So like, I would say the conception, the moment that the sperm and the ovum meet. Basically, yeah, that is probably um. Drew, Drew and I were always in touch. He was like my little brother. And in fact, I mean, he, he, he literally like, he's like dated my sister for a while. He was like my little brother. And, and from the time I met Drew when he was in crippled youth and he was just this little kid, I, I just always felt like a big brother to him. And we were, you know, we were fast friends and we were close friends. We became brothers. And um, at the time that like, you know, late eighties that sort of underdog is kind of winding down and, everyone's feeling a little disgruntled and hardcore was in a, in a really weird place for me and for him and not, not saying anything bad about hardcore cause we never lost our love for hardcore. But for me, he and I both felt creatively stifled and we would commiserate. We would literally, I would, I would call him. I'd be like, Hey, I'm on tour. I'm in San Francisco. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm here or whatever. And, and we would just commiserate about the fact that we, f we felt for us, like a lot of the magic wasn't there anymore. And we and mm. we were just dying to do something unsafe, you know, like creatively. 
Um, that's we would always talk about that. Like this just feels safe. This feels repetition. I feel like I'm in fucking Shanana right now playing. Uh, yeah. You know, like, um, and so as soon as kind of, I think it, it's like 89 at this point, he and I both get back from tours and immediately, um, like just start uh, actually became roommates. I'm like, at that time I was living in the, the West village. I'm like seventh Avenue and like 14th street. I'm like, you know, come live here. And, 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 uh, and we just start writing music. Um, and, and that into another was two people at first. And it was basically me writing chord progressions and riffs and, and words and drew laying down beats. And that was, you know, the zygote and it, 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 grew in stages because, you know, suddenly I realized, oh, wow, I've written like uh, 15 or 18 songs here. I've got these songs, but we don't have any people. And and uh, a woman who now has sadly left the planet years ago, uh, Catherine Ludwig, who was the editor of Metal Maniacs, I would always see her downtown when I was doing like the door at the pyramid or whatever. I would always, I would always see her and we'd always chat. She, was, she knew a lot about music and we were, we were good friends. And she's like, you know, my boyfriend is a great guitar player. You should meet him. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. a great guitar player. So we meet, Drew and I invite Peter Moses to come into the studio. And of course this guy comes in with the Farrah Fawcett hair and like an acid wash. And we're like, what is, what's going to happen here? And <laughs> yeah. you know, for, for me, and this also was a, a real learning moment for me because I realized that I, I had preconceptions about people that were unfair because I thought, you know what, this guy's going to, he's going to play some fucking, you know, some noodly, fast, incredibly co complex shit, but it's going to be what every guy working on 48 she plays. But so I deliberately was like, you know what, let's play, let's play like some blues in, in fucking E and just some one, four, five blues and just, you know, just see, because for me, a musician can, can just can improvise and can and can make phrases and can talk with their instrument. Yeah. And immediately, the minute he started playing, and I realized how real and how musical he was, and how expressive he was. Drew and I just looked at each other and our jaws dropped. They just dropped. Yeah. And and then I start showing him songs that we were working on. And he's it, first, you know, his first playing them back to us. He's making them a million times better. He's all yeah and he's making things sound like there's other guitar players in the room we're just like fuck man i don't Farrah Fawcett hair and all you are yeah. in. We're, in we're all in with you you're you're in you know and then he was like shortly thereafter he's he was like hey you know tony from whiplash the bass player is uh, looking yeah. a little different and he came in and he was just a fucking teddy bear we just you know just loved tony from the minute he walked in the room oh, what and, a killer too oh my yeah, god yeah yeah he was he was fucking unreal. I mean, and so then it started becoming this really collaborative writing thing. So a lot of like the early songs like Underdog and While I Die and all that stuff, like I, I wrote those songs, but then. That's what really, I was going to ask. Who wrote those songs? So the, because I. Uh, yeah, right. those very early ones. Well, even on that album, there's a lot of collaborative stuff. I mean, so like Under uh, Underlord was a song that I had just written before there were other people and, you know, and. And, and and while I die and a few of the others, but things like like powered, like Pete wrote that riff, and then like uh, yeah, gotcha. All and then it literally became just thoroughly collaborative, and and really throughout the body of our work, it was it was always someone would bring in a riff. Very very often it was Tony bringing in a riff, a bass riff, and us building on that. I wow. would always write the lyrics only because 
for me, I, I, I have very weird ways of phrasing things and, and just, just even rhythmically. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's just, if I'm singing and, and fronting a band, it's just easier for me to sing my melodies and my lyrics. Yeah. They're so fucking weird. And I yeah. just, yeah, you can live them. You can live it easier on stage. You can live it in that fucking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. that for me, that band into another. As far as living it on stage, that was the most cathartic and most. That's like the most vulnerable I've ever made myself lyrically. It's the most honest expression um, I've ever done musically, uh, lyrically. Um, so that was a real as, catharsis every night. And as a fan, I definitely, I dare say this, you guys definitely went for it. We looked at each other, we said, these motherfuckers are going for it. Like, there's no holding back. They want to do what they want to do, because it was, again, it was new for us also, like, oh, the OGs from this doing some real side stuff, you know, again, you could tell it was more grown up, and it was still in the vein of being gritty in the gritty clubs kind of and the attitude, yeah. obviously. But it was some new shit that somehow we also it connected with us. We were like, yo, there's something about this shit we like. You yeah. know, it just it makes sense. And what I loved a lot about it, uh, Sabbath is my favorite band ever. Mm -hmm. And I hear so much Sabbath. Yeah. And what I love also... Again, I probably we probably seen your first fifteen shows everywhere you motherfuckers played. Amazing. You sound the same and like the record everywhere you guys played. The fucking band was ridiculous. Thank you. That that's incredible. Here you say, it. and again, we were we were very much aware of you guys and very grateful. Um, oh. But yeah, there was a lot, a lot of Sabbath, a lot. Um, oh. You know, I mean, my shit. Oh, you guys right now are, are on my gym playlist. Every day I hear your mouth. But even before we were talking, I got you on the playlist. But that, because that specifically, I like a lot of the later stuff. But that and the, the creepy EP at that time, yeah. those two records are in on tour. Freddie blasted. We were just blasted. That would be on rotate all the stigma would go crazy. All right with that. All right. He can go right. Like put Johnny Cash on. He gave me shit a few times. Yeah, it's funny too because like I'd be on tour listening to Johnny Cash and everything else under the from Simon and Garfunkel to fucking yep. George Jones and fucking you know. So so yeah, um, uh, th that's amazing to hear though because you know because also I was I, I saw a lot of you guys and and when when, when and when Madball came on I was like this is fucking huge like this is I can't believe the walls are even containing these. <laughs> in this crowd it's like one giant organism trying to smash the building like when this band plays so and, no, it's, and, it's always and, incredible to hear like your peers or anything say that something oh yeah no it was great to this again we always but we blast that shit recently we were blasting on the road we were bla a lot of play and again musically the band was just so ridiculous and what i loved again it opened up you know I don't know and where in the time frame. I, I want to. I, I I remember you guys before. Not, it ain't no competition thing, but you guys doing it before a quicksand thing. And then now I remember seeing an into another. And then I remember seeing uh, whatever the, the frame uh, a quicksand uh, guys doing the angry head. Um, Petey Hines were handsome. I remember a lot of other bad. What to me I was like, yo, the doors are open now. Okay, yeah. yo. Yeah, people were calling it post-hardcore, but there was no one genre. I mean, just look yeah. at how different we were from, you know, Quicksand were phenomenal, but and they were much more in that totally kind different. of alt kind of, you know, whatever, Pixies kind of yeah. amazing shit. 
we were just some weird, bizarre cocktail of shit that people either loved or fucking hated, which yeah. I always thrived on that, always loved. And, and yeah. all, of the, all of those so-called post-hardcore bands were completely wildly different from one another. Agreed. It's great, which is a yeah. great. No, that's why I agree. They would call it post, I think, just because you had a bunch of old hardcore guys that were in hardcore bands and they had to be like, oh, yeah, this is their after. Exactly. Yeah. But it, but it was. Yeah. Yeah, but it was. But I remember the scene that now you, you, you put out. So you got this thing, the first recording, the first album. Uh, do you go out like, oh, we got some songs or you're like, OK, let's shop a label. How was like, did, did it come up like a, a kind of a slow a slow burn starting well, off like well being on rev was that was almost a foregone conclusion only, only because jordan and i were such good friends and i was like you know i'm doing this really yeah. weird thing i don't think it fits on on rev yeah he's like, he's like i want to put it out you know and just because we were friends and he, and i think he was very interested in kind of broadening Spec, the yeah. kind of you know spectrum oh, yeah. we're releasing so the the label thing was you know with with um Rev, that happened right away. But yeah, from the moment we had a set that we could play out, we were like, let's get a van. I literally bought a used fucking van and, you know, let's let's get, we got like Gus to Rody on our first little outing and we went down south and we broke down and we got eaten by red ants and all kinds. It was all that beautiful, <laughs> all that yeah. beautiful shit. And it was just like being, just like touring in a hardcore van again. And um, yeah. And also very early on, we went out and uh, we went out to Europe very early. Um, really, for, for part of it, we were like trading back and forth, headlining with a band called Maelstrom from Boston. So like not even on any yeah, tour or anything. I, and, uh, I remember them. And, and then, you know, and we kept going back to Europe as often as we could. We made, you know, great friends there. And we were MAD were booking us. But, but we got going very, very quickly, e even when... Yeah. Even when we were doing it on a fucking shoestring, we were just like, let's just get a van. Let's just go and play shows up and down the East Coast. Let's drive to California. Let's drive to Canada. Let's drive to Mexico City, whatever we could do, you know, and we would just just get out there and play. Uh, even if even if it was just like breaking even, you know, we would just, yeah. do it, just to do it. You got you got those first batch of songs. Are you saying, yo, we got some shit here or you're like, yeah, we got some cool songs we like. No, so so it was always. First of all, it was a very intense time for me emotionally, and and, and for me, it was just like, I, I've I've made this little outlet for like my fucking insanity, that I can get on stage and have this catharsis every night. I never ever thought it would be. I never thought about how viable it would be or how appealing it would be to anybody, yeah. any scene or genre or anything. Um, we started getting attention from labels because there was like this feeding frenzy that went on uh you know oh yeah trying let's find the next thing grunge happened so let's yeah go. yeah we hear, that, we hear there are all these bands in new york that are drawing these big crowds and people are going crazy so yep we'd play wherever wetlands or wherever the fuck we were playing and there'd always be label people always and they'd always yep. come up and talk to us and then it started this little like i'm sure like exactly what happened with with the the other bands with with quicksand yeah yeah and you know we 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 stupidly picked Hollywood Records because you know they offered the most uh, you know yeah. perks and this and that and you you, you can all get new guitar or whatever the fuck yeah yeah <laughs> and, and big checks and and uh, but so we we got caught up in that same feeding frenzy of of labels but um but yeah early on it was just all revelation and it was all just you know 
Jordan was my boy, and and um, we just did it with them. Uh, but yeah, we were part of that whole weird post and, 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 and the momentum you got was obviously um, by the by the creep uh, the creepy people. That was still that was on what that was still on that right. That's you guys didn't that yeah. was Rev. So Creepy EB, we actually recorded while, we, like, kind of mid-tour. We lay, we we wrote it during sound checks and stuff, and and uh, and uh, and then we were like, let's just get these other songs out. These are cool. So we laid down. I think we laid down basic tracks in one studio, or we laid down all the instrumental tracks in one studio. And then I, uh, when we got back, I did the vocals on in just some shitty uh, free studio time in New York. <laughs> And um, yeah, so that was great, that, man. That was um, that was just to to do something in the interim before we did an, another LP, and then um, yeah, every, and then even the next LP, uh, Ignorus was also Revelation. Oh, that um, was Revelation. Yeah, that was Revelation. It was only Seamless was on Hollywood Records, and then we went. Oh. And did we actually went and recorded another LP for Hollywood, but we never got to mix it. We never got to even finish doing guitar overdubs or anything. So we there's an unfinished album, even though it's complete in that wow. all, the, all the lyrics are there and all the basic tracks are there, but it never got mixed and it never we never finished. We never did like the overdub guitars or anything. Um, and that was released as a bootleg. People just released it. They, I don't know how they got their hands on it, but we were already in such a big fight with our label who had fucked us up in so many ways I can't even begin to tell you that they we actually uh, we we sued our label and we ended up getting a settlement they deleted us from their catalog that record never saw the light of day except as a bootleg so it's this weird unmixed basic tracks thing that uh people called it various things um <laughs> i had a couple of working titles for it one was soul control one was uh, horse platitudes um, and but it never got a title. It never got finished, um, which is really unfortunate. It was another real departure for us. It was a very gloomy, very yeah. sad album. It even and it had things, even though there was no, it, it it wasn't there was no sampling or looping. It had the influences of some electronic music in the way that Drew was playing these beats that sounded almost drum and bass and yeah. very repetitive, like sixteenth note bass lines and stuff and. Um, it almost had this kind of British drum and bass influence in the music. Um, but yeah, so so the only release on a major is Seamless. And was that the, uh, did you do, um, have any um, big Willie producer before that? Or you guys just did it on the earlier stuff? The earlier stuff, it was us and friends. I mean, we had like, a, yeah. you know, my, my friend Todd, who played drums for this like underground New York band, he was he like co-produced uh, gotcha. Ignorus with us, and uh, so no, we we never got paired with a real producer until gotcha. until the until Seamless, and it, we did Seamless on Hollywood, and then there was there was also a very limited EP, a couple of EPs that had tracks that were you know recorded along with the album tracks, but didn't make the album like sequence. And, and all right, so yeah, what, what was your was the Ignorus record the first big, uh, bigger budget record? No, because it was a Rev record, so it wasn't a big budget. It was a oh was, yeah, 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 it was sorry, what, just or but but was oh, because um it seemed uh, well the the whole layout seemed more you know they did a good job oh, of disguising yeah yeah so so I think that well you know 
Also, <clears throat> yeah, so that one, I, you know, I, I, whatever, I got myself like a fancy Macintosh computer and a fucking scanner and we got, and we got like my friend who was a club kid wallpaper, let me use his paintings for, and his illustrations for, for, uh, for Ignorus. So it seems more high production value, but they were all made on very small budgets. I mean, wow. especially the, the first album, you know, that was just us at Don Fury with like, yeah the tiniest but making an album with like a fucking seven inch budget you know so yeah and look at, and I, I love don fury obviously that's the that's the origin sounds of early hardcore yeah. but let me tell you i don't know how the fuck you made that spot sound like that because because <laughs> I, I love don fury for what it is and i know what it is it belongs yeah. where it was you know yeah. the stuff that the more <laughs> complex stuff it might not be the best bed to lay on, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th I think really the only thing we did different was we 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 just put some room mics in because we were playing so fucking loud mm. that we just wanted to pick up some of the weird ambient sounds that were happening. In the, you know, every room has weird reflections and damn yeah. weird anomalies, and we just wanted to capture the weirdness of the room. So, we uh, just how, how, so when you first went into another, you got your first taste of, of obviously people labels coming at you and people throwing you know the whole bus thing how did that feel at first did how, could you did, did 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 it ever get to you like did you did you ever fall into the hole because it's easy to fall into like for a minute like yeah. lose yourself because so, again you were younger way younger you know when you're younger yeah, yeah so no so i you know even though i i you know i always had that kind of swag on stage i was never someone who was like feeling himself and thought he was yeah yeah star or a future star or anything so no i yeah. i always was a fucking you know i always expected disappointment and uh <laughs> okay, yeah. was a fucking weird depressed angry you know <laughs> fucked up guy so no i was never feeling myself like that and actually the first person who approached us who who i didn't think was a bullshit artist was someone who kind of came out of the like kind of emo scene which was this uh -huh. guy david walter great guy and he you know everyone else i was talking to was just kind of a big label you know kind of you know you could just smell the bullshit on them and just the, yeah. they were like fucking politicians and and yeah no soul they got no soul to them no you soul. could tell this was the yeah. first like young kid and it was the fucking 90s he had the big oversized fucking jeans but he was just he looked like he was 12 and i was just like okay let's let's talk to this guy and yeah. he, he got hired by uh hollywood records and we, and we ended up ended up going with them so so it it felt weird to me the one thing it never felt like to me and you know everyone used to throw around the term selling out and and yeah. look look for me if i think about the people who influenced me the most whether it was you know the Ramones on on Sire Records, or the fucking you know the the Pistols on fucking EMI, and then Warner Brothers, or you know f pick pick anyone, or the fucking Whalers on Island, or everyone signed to a fucking label. No one was you know, the only people who were doing this not for profit shit. Because all these other labels, it's not like it's not like Revelation was a not for profit organization. Did, did like crass and rudimentary peni like say like steal this album and maybe not make any money? I'm sure they did. But, you know, even look, I, I love that that Ian built up Discord and he never had to be on a major label because he had this incredibly profitable company called Discord that he was making albums on. And that's that's great. I wish he, I had that shit. He got his message out there. You know what I mean? And um, so, 
Yeah, that, the one thing I never ever felt like was a sellout. To me, it was such a silly thing. There were so many things to be upset yeah. about in the world, from you know, from war to poverty to graft yeah. and 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 racism and and a million other things. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you know, because I asked that because you know, obviously that's a question people think about, but we were people that had those experiences. It's easier to, you know, I like asking people that I know had those encounters not what you think you would say of course we all say yeah we'll say fuck you to 20 million dollars because i love cbgb's and i want to play in a garage my whole life it's easy to say to you they got millions of dollars in your face what i was saying because with uh we have another band with the hazen street shit with toby and everybody and at one point yeah so at one point we want a major label and one thing i'm very proud of us that we never fell for the bullshit, but we've been in those situations where they're telling us, hey, next year, at this time next year, and I'm quoting word for word, I won't say who, but word for word, next year at this time, you guys are gonna be buying houses. Oh, and I remember looking at, and I'm me looking at my boy, Dave Kennedy, me and Dave, that's my brother, shout out to Dave Kennedy. We look at each other like, and I go, God hoping, and they go, no, nah, no, nah. like, do you understand your life as you know it is changed? Yeah. And I let as a yeah, I know stigma where he's living at. They got over the world, everybody got over the world a hundred times, and ain't till you got the world, you know, you got it. We all know that, you know. We also know what a bullshit game the fucking yeah, look when. When artists are getting 12 to 14 points after everything is recouped, including all the times your fucking A&R guy got a back rub at the fucking Barclays yeah. Square Hotel in London, um, it's, a, it's a fucking shell game. And the, the label's getting 88 points or 86 points, and they're right. getting they start taking money off the top the minute sales start and the artist doesn't get paid till everything is recouped. It's bullshit. Artists, you know, it's the most unethical contract structure there is which is you know to the credit of a lot of indie labels the you know not all of them but a lot of them will do true profit sharing 50 yeah. 50 deals everyone shares the costs yeah. and the profits which is the way it should be it's the way a lot of indie films are but um yeah we i got handed the same bullshit line yeah so, yeah are you picking out your Bentley? You know, like for, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, the rough mixes and like yeah, 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 exactly. And, and what was the my quick because again. The the first, let's say out of that the the of the 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 main whatever amount of time into another had a, a solid straight run like that first half, I, we knew everything that was going on. Then as you went on touring more, we were touring more. You know, every this world just kind of fake. What was the? I don't want to say like the proudest, but what was the 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 the. Uh, something big willy that you got to do with it's another because like with Madball, we got to do like wow i got to play a show with sabbath a festival you know yeah. we got to do a festival with judas priest and los lobos to yeah. me i'm like because you know the little cool yeah uh, stripes under your belt kind of shit so yeah definitely was the festivals like whatever with like ted nugent or whatever the fuck but yeah. also we got to do a really fun tour but it was we got to do an arena tour with uh with the Ramones and White Zombie, which was cool. wow. Um, it was all there was no East Coast, Midwest and stuff. Yeah, and and that was that was that was Big Willie stuff. But look, I I actually I like the up close and sweaty shit. Yeah, know? we all I think we all it's great to play those shows. Yeah, when, they, well, and like the people in the front row, you you can't even touch their hands because there's fucking security in the barricade. 
I mean, yes. I'll tell you what, the only, at the end of the day, yeah, th that's great to look out and see a ton of people. And, and, but at the end of the day, for me, it's like the only thing better about those shows was the monitors were better. <laughs> yeah. than that, I like, I like getting kicked in the face with fucking steel toes and like, yeah, yeah. And then you got to feel it. Yeah. Fighting me for the mic and like, you know, just that intimate where there's no separation. It's just you and the people who are present there. And it's just, it's, it, it, for me, that's much more of a catharsis and much more powerful, but yeah. So we were, we, you know, we got really fucked with because we, we recorded this album for Hollywood records for a major label. They fucked up everything to the point where we had, we had a song that actually started to chart a little bit on college and and alternative radio and and but our album still wasn't available and they never we were like we have to make a video for this song we have to make a video they didn't give us the clear you know the green light and the money to make a video till long after it had peaked at radio and it was done it was just done we didn't even like it was like pointless to even submit it and then we go everywhere we would play on that tour with the ramones and white zombie kids would say you guys are amazing. How do we get your CD? We're like, uh, is it not worse. We're like, no, we've been to Sam Goody, we've been to this place, we've been to that. It's not available. And our label is like, yeah, oh, we're, we're in between distributors. Then we go to Europe where like it's a different distributor. It's Polydor. And it's like a comedy of errors. Our album, as far as the jewel box with our artwork is out and the, and the disc inside is screened with into another and the songs but the music on the disc is some fucking trance band from like Manchester. Oh my god! And and literally wasn't even our music. It was it was so that's what it resulted a mess. in the lawsuit after that. Um, Jesus. And you know we were on a label that was owned by Disney, so suing them is just a fucking lost cause. Like, Good luck, yeah. That that took years off my life, and and then that really you know that's where we just started to this is like 97 we're in london making a record while we're suing the label that's supposed to release this record that they know oh, oh my god that's horrible yeah, and it all went down, <laughs> it all went down. Yeah. and uh, oh yeah that's right and um that that was when you guys uh, whatever i don't i don't even say to break up it just kind of faded yeah, out a little yeah, bit yeah. like that's it. It was just, just slowly yeah. disband. It just it was like slowly over time, just kind of Yeah, it melts. It wasn't a dramatic implosion and, and passionate fight or anything. It was Yeah. and we were literally paralyzed because Drew and I were while we were suing the record label and in litigation, we weren't allowed to do anything else. Oh my! They had you guys so, and then, the ball, and then, big then time. We took a very tiny little settlement, and for two years, I wasn't allowed to do anything. The first oh. thing I did after those two years was sing like backup <laughs> vocals on my friend's album at a band called Dead Z on the West Coast, and that was the first thing I did. It was just singing harmonies and like yeah. And even though I was I was constantly writing, I was I I, I really kind of lost my taste for that whole fucking. Mm -hmm. Business. Yeah, that, that 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 shit will do it to you, man. You know, it really will because, you know, it's basically like, um, you know, you you you, you want you give you know you have a child and 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 a record company is kind of like supposed to be like the ultimate boarding school that you're hoping it is. It's gonna do bring you the build this ultimate yeah. person 
and then, like your child. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, match. and then you know, I guess at a point you sign some shit, and they and you know that they got them thrown out, neglecting your kid or whatever, and you can't do nothing about it. And it's like, and you chose it, but yeah. but it was a facade, you know. I, that's why I ask because the smoke screens could get people, you know, and I get it, you know, yeah, you know, right. especially being younger, you know, younger and getting those opportunities in your early 20s, mid 20s. Oh, yeah. they're different. You know, you're hot. You're excited. You're like, I'll take up whatever. Let's go. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. you know, so I know. And, and now you, you got a guitar in the house. There's music on tape. What like there has to be something getting recorded out of you. There's always music. I mean, it's it's rare that anything gets recorded. I mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> writing. I mean, we did do like a, an EP into another very quick kind of literally recorded it live in a room um, EP, of just five songs back in 2015, I think it was. Um, and we talk about maybe recording some more. But yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I've got. I got a mortgage and I've got two kids and it's, and I've got yeah. a, a, a day job where I still get to be creative, but, uh, but I never stop playing music. I play music every day. There's a, there's a guitar. Yeah. There's a little, there's my daughter's little piano. There's like, I'm, I, I make music in some way every day. I mean, even today I was playing, I was, I was like playing Elvis songs. on my fucking yeah. But like, I'm, you know, I'm making, uh, you know, in some form or another music comes out of me every single day. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you got you got to. That has to be something to come out. You 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 know what? I think you might be my new recruitment for my band. So I got. I'm starting a group, right? Of all, you know, a retired and semi-retired musicians called the Wedding Thrashers. We're just gonna play <laughs> heavy metal covers at weddings, and whenever we're not on tour, yo, who we got? <laughs> yo, call Richie. We need a singer. Where's Stigma? He's on tour. All right, let's go. <laughs> so. We got a couple people on deck already for the wedding thrashers. I love it. We gotta do those, but we gotta do those wedding songs, man. We gotta, uh, you know. Of course, the chicken dance, all that shit. We all gotta that, do all of it. All and shit. fuck it up. Is there anything new you're listening to now? Out of you know, I, it's hard to. Say. I'm engulfed in the new shit because I cover a lot of the new music. But is there anything that stuck out to you? So I'm embarrassed to say I don't listen to a lot of new music. Um, you know, when I when I hear it and I like it, and occasionally I'll you know I'll get invited out yeah. to the club. You know, I'm so fucking senile, I'll forget what it was. But I like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I know there's an ex there's definitely an exciting undercurrent of of new music happening these days. I do. I mean, there there are a couple of of punk bands uh, I've heard that are decent, but to be honest, most of what I listen to well, I, you know I, I play music more than i listen to and when i do listen yeah. to it i listen i listen to older stuff i actually listen to a lot of shit that people wouldn't believe i, I listen to i listen to a lot of classical music because it helps inform a lot of things that i play that don't sound even remotely classical but yeah and, and no and, but you guys had into another head i call it shire music there's the Ding, ding, ding. You know what I'm talking about. The Shire music. First record. <laughs> right away, I expected to fucking see, you know, Willow, you know, Shire music. You got that. You got yeah, yeah. Turning some Butter. Some Tolkien. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I get that part. It's, it, it lingers in you, the Shire it's music. Funny, yeah, because actually there there's that one song. And actually Peter... Uh, wrote that music for there's a song we did for lack of a better world which was a classical guitar thing that 
and just this melody I sang over it. But it does have the feeling of it's funny you say shark because you know what predates Baroque music, which is the first form of classical music, is that kind of early music and that kind of you know and, and it it kind of has that vibe. It kind of has that. You know, court of like, like tutors, Henry. Court Jester. <laughs> on the first record, you got the one track. I expected somebody to do a cartwheel, churning butter, a midget, Willow walk by, all that shit. Shout out to my brother Frankie. My brother Frankie, me and him used to blast your shit. And oh, to this God. day, he'll he'll text me like lyrics or some shit. And I'm like, but we always say the ding 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 ding. I used to read all the Shire part, the Shire oh, fucking uh and fuck it up. Yeah, no, no, it's great. But, you know, the reason why I say that, because I, I, to this day, I see a lot of your energy. If it's not direct, directly, and, and they may know it or not, but I associate it with it. Like, there's bands, shout out to Turnstile, shout out to my boy E-Love, uh, E-Town Concrete. But to me, oh, yeah, well, turn, there's no... Turnstile is huge, but, that, but also, I, so like that, to me, doesn't feel like new. Yeah, so like... Yeah. Turnstile are gigantic, though. I mean, like, I, every yeah. time I see anything with Turnstile, there's 200,000 people fucking. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. so for me, that feels very established, like something that's yeah. huge and established. There's also a fucking West Coast band that's not quite as big that I know have played on the same bills. As, this is how fucking senile I am. But I heard I them recently. I was actually fucking blown away. There's a lot of great bands now, even more on that punk tip. The old school, look at this is why I love the energy. Again, I was never a punk side of the hardcore. I love the punk. That's why with AF, I liked when in the Chromags when they started. I was never super metal. I loved the tones, but I never liked the whole aesthetics of metal. And so I like that middle thing. But um, um yeah. a turnstile, like, yeah. like, 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 do they sound like an underdog? Do they sound like no? But there's an energy that I, I feel if uh, the swag from a guy like you, there definitely wouldn't be. Shout out to my brother, Anthony, if he knows it or not. When I see him play, I go, this is, and not even sonically, energy-wise. Yeah. I go, this is this is uh, uh, underdog 2023 or 20, whatever the year was like. Jersey, he has the swag. He had that, you know, it was like, you know, obviously they were more on the hip-hop thing than you guys, but it's that. Um, where it's urban, but it ain't just trying to be rap mix. It's just oh, influence. You could tell there's an influence in there, and it's a, 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 a youthful energy. But like not little kid. It's almost like that older part of teenage where we, you're becoming a young man. Yeah, you, you get a little bit more grown up, but it's still. I don't know. When I see that, I see it, and I was like, that comes, and what, what I love about it, that opens up the music where it doesn't have to just be meathead. If it was, if you talk to the 16-year-old Hoya, I wanted all meathead. It had to be Cro-Mags, <laughs> you know, Cro-Mags, AF, Murphy's Law, Leeway, you know, okay, everything else could be whatever. But I thank God for all those bands, and the internet is uh, the fucking quicksands to be like, Look at yeah, I could do it because look at the guys who wrote the book. They laid the first bricks, and now they're yeah. building another house over there. How about that? You oh, know, I love, I, I love seeing that. I'll tell you what. One of the, for me, and this is something that's right in your world. For me, it was something so in, amazing about going from seeing Roger bring little Freddie on stage as a tiny little kid 
to yeah. seeing then Freddie become this larger than life yeah. front man right. and, and move a whole room and everything. That that was that to me was so powerful to just see that journey happen and and unfold and that kind of passing of the torch and the passing of the generations. And, yeah. and, and it's really incredible to see what it turns into each generation in each yeah. year. And, and I'm noticing now, I mean, again, I'm not that up on a lot of new music, but I have noticed that there are so many of these like punk clubs now in the city and not just in Manhattan and in, in Brooklyn and, and, and elsewhere and, and all throughout the country with these rabid fan bases too. These and it's yep. not just the giant bands like Turnstile playing. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It's bands playing little rooms in Brooklyn that are just blowing the doors off, and they have these inc these incredible. Yes. Followers, these I, I I can I honestly say this right now. If you're gonna be a a, a guy who was into the scene and maybe not into the music because the attitude changed, maybe the sound changed a little bit or whatever, now is the time to check out these bands because. It's new energy with the sounds and flavors that we all came up with, or even the generation before me. Like the the new bands, these kids are in their early twenties, and they sound like old school punk bands with New York swag. They're not trying to sound like a crossover metal band, like which I love. But how hardcore was going? They're going back to the punk roots, but with yeah, that young energy. Exactly. But there's still know. and look. Let's face it. It's it's all. It's like cyclical because punk borrowed a lot from metal. It always did. Yeah. I, I remember listening to Noise the Show, even when I was a fucking rockabilly kid, I was listening to hard, the first hardcore music that started to exist on Noise the Show with Tim Summers. He would play Motorhead along with all the hardcore shit. And, and yeah. guess what? You listen to like Filthy Phil play drums and you listen to Earl play drums. And that, it's not that's that different. It, yeah. it's the fucking same energy. It's the same shit. Motorhead to me was a fucking hardcore band. Absolutely. I love I, I you know to your point, I never liked the aesthetics of metal. I never got into the poodle hair metal, yeah, me but too. I was fucking I was Sabbath all day. I was early Judas Priest all day. I still listen to Sad Wings of Destiny, uh, you know, constantly. I still listen to fucking volume four and Sabbath oh, yeah. and the first that's Sabbath it. album and fucking That's my Bible, Bible. yeah. I, I listen to all of that still to this day. Um you know, and it still it still informs a lot of what I do. Even if what I'm doing is on an acoustic guitar, I'm still throwing in like a flatted fifth or some evil. Hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah! No, it's a must. You can't get rid of that shit. When people are like, that's what I tell people. I say, look it, you don't got to go to every show. You don't got to be stage diving. When this shit really lived in you, if it, if it really lived in you, it always lives in you, no matter where the fuck you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I go. So I was like, but listen, I'm glad that I fuck. I'm really glad I got to get up with you. Next time, I'm gonna. I don't give a fuck if I got Wi-Fi. No, nothing. I make shit happen. But on the real, I, you're somebody I had on my list long time ago that I thought maybe I, I probably would never catch. So I was glad to see you. Those eyes open up in the dark cave. I said, "There we go." In the cave, man. You know. <laughs> but you already know. But on the real, I'm glad. I'm glad I got to catch up with you. It's been a while. I think the last time we really physically talked was in Okinawa, maybe. Yeah. Which <laughs> you is know? What, two, 2007 or something. Crazy. Insane. Insane. But I remember yeah. I've been going off that combo. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get up. I hope I get him because I know not everybody also does the podcast thing or whatever. But I was like, I saw your eyes. But I said, let me get at him. 
I got to get at him. And when yeah. you're like, yo, let me work it. I said, that's enough. I'll make it happen no matter what. I appreciate it. Hoya. It's, it's, it's actually great to connect with you again. Absolutely. It, it better not be another 15 years before, uh, you know, we, we, we're, exactly. We're, we're, I, that's what I, exactly. I was going to say that I got all these shows. I hope the next time we around, you come through just to come through. You know what you I mean? Know, I'm, I'm always down to do some chocolate con songs at Bar Mitzvahs with you. you just, yeah, you know, yeah, we're going to do it. Wedding thrashers, everybody, look right. out. Listen, I'm on the real. Mad love to you, your family. You know the deal. Thank you, Hoya. By the way, just before I go, I hit up my friend. I was like, what's that band we were just talking about? It's, oh, yeah. it's Ceremony. Have you heard Ceremony? Oh, hell yeah. Of course yeah. I know Ceremony. Yeah, hell yeah. 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 That, right. Listen, there's a whole bunch of new people out there that I think you would like that it's on kind of your tip also. But listen, on the real, shout out to you, everything you do. Anything that you do musically, I want it first. That's all I want. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, this was great. On the real, Rich, everybody out there, you know the deal. Smoking Word Podcast, we back. Richie, one love. I'll let you, I'll hit you. I want to text you later, and I want your info. I'm going to send you some shit. And Absolutely. I'll let you know when it drops. All right, brother? All right. Happy, healthy New Year to you and your family. You and too, bro. Thank one you. love, one love, Rich. We out. Peace. Peace.